a starting point. And it makes me wonder, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen because seven lives were changed? Because Jesus changed the lives of these seven people. What's going to happen next? We were at prayer this week. Uh, we meet every, every Wednesday from 11 to 1. So if you've got any time in there, even 15 or 20 minutes to come on out, I encourage you to come on out and pray. The sanctuary is open. And, uh, but we, we joined together that last half an hour and we were praying. And, and, and somebody just shared their story of, uh, and I can't remember all the details, but they said it was, a, it was a relative of hers that had come to Jesus Christ. And there was nobody who was saved in the family. Nobody knew about Jesus. But because that, that relative, it was a grandpa or an uncle, uh, came to Christ, it changed the whole family. Now, today, almost every brother and sister in that family are serving Jesus. The kids and the grandkids are serving Jesus, all because one person came to salvation. So I wonder today, seven, seven have publicly said, Jesus changed my life. What are the ripple effects going to be? Can you imagine uh, the people around them, the families around them that are going to be changed, the next generation and the next generation uh, that are going to be totally changed because of a decision that they made today. So this isn't really a, a, a finish line. This is a starting point of what God wants to do because there's, there's more. There's more. There's always more in our walk with Christ. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I was looking, uh, I saw this thing on, uh, of some history uh, a while ago. Back in the day, you know, in the, the 1400s, it's a little bit ago. In the 1400s, people thought that Spain was the ends of the earth. They thought that once you got to the Straits of Gibraltar, you know, you were venturing out into the unknown, that eventually if you sailed far enough into the Atlantic Ocean, you would just fall off the earth and die, right? It was just the end. And so in Spain, they started to, they put up a sign at Gibraltar. They said, and the sign read, Ne plus ultra. That was the sign. It was a warning. Uh, it, it meant no more beyond. There's nothing else beyond here. Uh, so it was a warning to ships, to sailors, don't go beyond this point because you'll probably just die. Don't, don't keep going, right? But then eventually that saying became almost a motto uh, for Spain, no more beyond. We are the ends of the, we are the last of God's creation. Like he designed us specifically to be the ends of the earth. And this kind of got to their heads and, and pride built up of this is who we are. We are, we are the end. We are the greatest. We are the ultimate. So they started printing this saying on their coins, nay plus ultra, no more beyond. We are the highest. We are the best. Well, you know some of the rest of the story. In you know, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue and, and discovered there was more beyond. They were wrong, right? They, they thought they were the end, and really they were just completely wrong. There, there was much more to be discovered. There was much more world to be discovered. And so because of that, they got humbled a little bit, and they had to take the nay off of there. And, and their coins now read plus ultra, more beyond. There is more beyond. And, and today, I thought of that with Baptism Sunday because sometimes, again, we can think we have arrived, we, we are there, we can be comfortable now, I'm baptized, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I can coast the rest of my life. But, but that's not true. 
Because with God, his mercies are new every morning, right? With God, there is always something more beyond. There's always more beyond. So to those of you who were baptized this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. There's more beyond today. There's something greater that God has called you to. Uh, The ripple effects of what have happened today are just the beginning. This is the starting line of what God wants to do in your life. Because baptism's not a finish line, it's a starting line. There is more beyond. Now, other than Jesus in the Bible, there's, there's maybe a few people in there that just stand out as just, they seem like they have arrived in the faith. Like they were just, you know, maybe Moses or maybe Enoch or uh, the one we're going to look at today is Paul. We've been talking about him a lot lately. If anybody had faith figured out, if anybody knew what it was to walk with Jesus, I would say Paul was right at the top of that list. I mean, Paul had walked through a lot of different things in, in his life. So if, you, if anybody could stand up and say, you know, there's no more beyond. I have reached the pinnacle of the faith. Like if you want to know what Jesus looks like, look at me, right? I, I think Paul would be one of the top candidates to be able to declare something like that and we not quite think it's heresy or something. I, I don't know. Uh, but, but Paul, he had it figured out. Uh, in fact, in Philippians chapter 3, and you can turn there. Uh, we're going to be looking there in, in just a moment. But earlier in Philippians chapter 3, he talks about how he was a Jew. He was one of God's people. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? He, he studied. He was a student of the law. He was a, a Pharisee by trade. Uh, he had given everything he could uh, to be a follower of God. And then one day he encountered Jesus and realized that Jesus was the fulfillment of that law. And from that point on, uh, he preached Jesus all over the world, uh, even parts of the world that had never heard Jesus. He, he, he started things, right? He, he was an adventurer. He went to new places and shared Jesus with people all across this globe, right? And then not on top of that, he was pers- uh, he experienced persecution. I mean, he was stoned. He was left for dead. Uh, he had received lashes. I mean, all these different torture that he had gone through for the sake of Christ. I mean, Paul had done a lot for Jesus. So you would think that perhaps in Paul's life, he could declare nay plus ultra, that there's no more beyond, that I've reached the top. But I want you to listen to what he says in this passage in Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 10. It says this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained, obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So this is interesting. Again, Paul, he was living for Jesus with everything he had. He had given his whole life for the cause of Christ. But yet he says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this. I, I've been pressing for years, and I'm still nowhere close. I, I'm trying to go after this thing. I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. 
I mean, if anybody you think could put it on cruise control, you'd think it'd be Paul. But he says, no, I, I need to reach this goal. I need to keep chasing after this, this idea of perfection. And so he's chasing after it with everything he, sa- he has. It says that he's trying to take hold of it. The, the idea there is almost uh, like somebody uh, trying to tackle you. You know, maybe in football, somebody's running away with the ball, they're about to score a touchdown. You got a defender just running for his life, trying to tackle that guy and take him down, right? That's kind of the idea that he he puts here. He's saying, I'm on a race. I'm running as fast as I can to tackle this because that's what I'm pursuing. I saw a clip this week of a baseball game and, and a fan ran onto the field, right? And so they're, they're running all around. And so you've got four security guards trying to take this guy down and they're chasing him. But the problem is, all four security guards are out of shape. I mean, they're trying to corner him. They're like surrounding him. And you can tell this guy's in pretty good shape. He's just messing with them, right? He's dodging. I mean, they're falling over. He's running right between them. And eventually, two minutes goes by. You know, the whole game stopped. All the players are just kind of sitting there. And the fan's like, okay, um, I'll just stop. You can tackle me now. You know, and eventually they catch up to him and tackle him. And that's not the way we want to run our race, right? We want to run with everything we have and and try to lay hold of the prize. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, I need to run with all my strength, with everything. I'm, I'm straining. I'm pressing on. I'm giving it all I have because there's a goal and I need to tackle it. I need to take it down because I want to be like Christ in my life. So today, I mean, again, Baptism Sunday, this is a starting line. Right? Now, now it's time to go run the race. Now it's time to go after that. Now it's time to take hold of that which Jesus took hold of us. See, Jesus already took hold of us. Jesus already ran that race. He, he did everything. And, 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 and God took hold of us, just like he did to Paul. At that time, his name was, was Saul. And Jesus came and, and Saul encountered Jesus in a great light. I mean, it blinded him. And from that day on, Saul was never the same. He's completely changed. Later, he changed his name to Paul. And his life was different because Jesus took hold of him. We heard seven stories today of how Jesus took hold of their life, of how Jesus changed everything. See, Jesus was willing to die for them so that they could have new life. Think about that. When was the day that Jesus took hold of you? When he chased you down because he knew there was something greater for your life. Maybe you've never experienced that. Maybe today is that day. See, he's given it all for us so that we can give it all for him. So Paul, he's chasing after this. He's, he's trying to tackle this goal. So what is, what is he chasing after? What is the, the this? He says, not that I have already obtained this. What is, what is he talking about? If we back up to verse 10, like we read earlier, it starts by saying, you know, the this. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. This is, this is his goal. I want to know Christ. There's different levels of how you can know people, right? You can know somebody by, uh, through study. You can know someone through just observing them from afar. Or you can know someone through experience and being with them every day. And the same thing is true of Jesus. We can know 
Jesus, just by reading our Bibles and learning about him and, you know, the, the, the God that he is, the, the man that, that he was and, and what he did for us. And, and we can get to, to know Jesus, know about him. We can observe Jesus through what he does in other people's lives. We see, oh man, you know, God's really done a lot in their life. You know, we've heard those stories. Wow, look at how God moved there. Uh, but then there's another level of knowledge of when we experience Christ for ourselves. And that's what Paul's talking about here. I want to know. I want to know Christ. I want to experience him. I, I want to feel his power through me. I, I want to I feel his presence. I, I want to see what God does as I step out in faith, what, how God responds. I want to know Christ. And he says, not only that, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. He wants to know God's power. He wants to know God's power. And I think that's something that as Christians, you know, I, I think we all, even, even non-Christians would probably agree that it would be really cool to experience God's power, right? We hear about all these different miracles. We hear about different healings. We, we see the Red Sea part. How many of you want to see the Red Sea part right in front of you, right? I want to know God's power. How many would like to see a dead person raise to life? right? I want to know God's power. I mean, we all want to know it. There was even people in the Bible who were trying to pay the disciples. Like, can you give me that? Can you give me a little piece of power? How can I obtain that? And so I think that's something we all are chasing after. God, I want to know your power. So that seems very logical to me. I want to know God's power. But then what doesn't seem very logical is what he writes next. Not only does he want to know God's power, but he says he also wants to know the fellowship of sharing in Christ's sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. He wants to, to know the fellowship of sharing in Christ's suffering. And now that one, we're all kind of like, well, I could skip that one. You know, we could, let's, let's maybe hold off on the suffering thing. But what's interesting is, that's what Jesus did. He, he suffered, and, and he died. But it wasn't until after Jesus suffered and died that we see the resurrection power come, right? If Jesus didn't die, there's no resurrection power. But because Jesus died, because of his suffering, it led to great power. Because of his humility that he came down, even though he was God, that he came in the flesh. He humbled himself as a baby. He humbled himself even to death on a cross. In that humility, it said that therefore God elevated him to the highest place. And he gave them the name above every other name. So it was through his humility, it was through his suffering came glory. And so if we want to see uh, God come to glory in our lives, if we want to experience resurrection power in our lives, then it comes through suffering to be like Christ. So that's his goal. How can I be like Christ? How can I be like Christ? And that's what he says. I, I'm still not there yet. Right? Paul's chasing. I'm still not there yet. God, I want to be more like you. I want to live more like you because I know plus ultra, right? There is more beyond. There is more beyond. I'm not at my finish line, right? We'll never reach our finish line this sign of heaven. But we believe that one day that perfection is coming, that, that God will completely change us. It'll be after, after we, we die and leave this earth. But for those who have followed Jesus Christ, for those who have made that decision, that heaven is on the other side, right? That, that God has called us heavenward. So the goal is to be like Christ. 
So how does he do it? What does he need to do to obtain that goal to be like Christ? How does he do that? Uh, it, It says in verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. That one confuses me because it feels like he said two things there. But he says, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So he says he starts out by forgetting what's behind. Forgetting what's behind. That can be difficult for us. Right? It says when we ask for forgiveness, uh, it It says the old is gone, the new has come, that we are new people. That's what baptism represents. That's what it symbolizes. And so in order to move forward, we've got to let go of our past. We've got to let go of the old. We can't let that drag us down anymore because the Bible says that your sins are erased. Your sins are forgiven. When you ask for forgiveness, that that God justifies us and and that we are forgiven as though we have never sinned before, right? We talked about this through the book of Romans of how now, man, everything is completely different. Our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west, that God has forgiven. He's forgotten. He doesn't see sin when he looks at us now. Now he sees his son. Right? We are different. We are changed. But sometimes we haven't forgotten what was in our past. And so we keep looking back. We're trying to run this race. We're trying to take hold of that which God has taken hold of us for. But, but yet we're, we're dragging our past behind us. And, and it says we need to forget what was behind. We need to forget We can't let our past keep us from our future with Christ. If God has forgiven and he has forgotten our sins, then why should we be living in fear of them? Right? We need to keep going forward. Right? So forget what's behind and it says straining towards what is ahead. I mean straining. That's not a light jog. That that is moving. That's, That's running with everything we have. Straining towards what's ahead. Instead of keeping our eyes on the problem, we need to keep our eyes on the prize. That's what we need to do. Pastor Marco shared a great word uh, last week. He talked about Peter getting out of the boat because he saw Jesus walking on the water. And so he gets out and he steps out and he's walking on the water because his eyes are focused on Jesus. But then it says the moment he started worrying about the problem instead of the prize, instead of Jesus, he started worrying about the winds and the waves, all of a sudden he started to sink. And it's the same way in our walk with Christ. We need to forget what's behind. We need to forget about the problems. We need to forget about all these things that are going on in our lives. That are, We need to keep our eyes on the prize. We need to keep our eyes on Christ. And that's how we're going to continue to chase after the goal that God has set for us. Right? To be more like him. That is our goal. Straining towards what's ahead. So we need to keep our eyes on the prize and not the problem. It says he presses on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called him heavenward. Let me ask you today, do you understand how great the prize is? Do you understand the magnitude of the prize? That when we follow Jesus, that we get to go to heaven. We get to spend eternity with Jesus. As we sang earlier, that I stand in awe of you, God. I mean, just imagine that day when we get to stand in awe of Jesus, when we get to walk the streets of gold instead of an eternity in hell. The magnitude of what it means to follow Jesus. So do we understand how great that the prize is? So even when the struggles come, we press on. 
Even when the storms come, we press on. Even when depression comes, we press on. Even in the darkest hours, we press on. Even in our failures, we press on. That's what Paul's saying here. I have not arrived. There is more beyond. God's mercies are new every morning, and this is just the beginning of our journey. This is just the beginning. So for those of you who are baptized today, let me encourage you. You have just started out on a great adventure. God has so much in store. There is a plan. There is a race marked out for you, and there's a prize at the finish line. And so I challenge you today, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep moving forward. You may have sin in your, in your past. You may have things that you're not proud of. You may have things that you regret, but that's in your past. Jesus has forgiven you. That can't hold you down anymore. Now we run the race. Paul says in another place, I run the race with endurance, right? I'm going to run with everything that I have. I'm going to keep going forward. So this is just the beginning. I love what God's doing. I can't wait to hear more stories of how God changes the people around you and the people that you know and your families and the next generations because the decision you made is going to continue to have ripple effects throughout the world and throughout the generations. So I'm so thankful for that. Today, uh, I encourage you, uh, before you leave today, to, to find one of those people who are baptized. Give them a hug. Uh, let them know that you're, you're, you're with them, that you're cheering them on. And uh, God's doing some great things. And maybe today, God's moving in your heart. Maybe there's something that, that you just feel, you know what, God, I need to start that race. I need to do that. So if that's you today, today you can make a simple decision to say, Jesus, I want to make you the Lord of my life. I, I want... I want you to, to change everything for me today. And uh, Lana, if you'd come, uh, today you can make that decision. Today you can make that choice to say, you know what? I'm going to allow Jesus to forgive me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him to come in and, and change my life. Because it was all about the work that he did on the cross. It was all about the, uh, the fact that he came and he lived a perfect life. He, he was sinless. He wasn't worthy of death but yet he willingly sacrificed his life for us. And he died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb, and on the third day he rose again. So we can believe in him. If we have faith in him, we declare him as our Savior, declare him as our Lord, and we ask for forgiveness, that he forgives us, that he changes us, that we can live new. And, and so today all you have to do is, is say a simple prayer. It's not any special words, but just praying from the heart. Lord, would you make me new? So today, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of you today. Would you stand with me, actually? And if that's, if that's you this morning, you can just pray it just from your seat. You can just pray it as we pray together. But it's just a simple prayer saying, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you be the Lord and Savior of my life? But let me pray for you, church. I'm so thankful for what God does. There's more beyond. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for the stories here today. Thank you for the transformed lives. We thank you that the old is gone, the new has come. If there's anybody here this morning, Lord, we pray that they would just pray that prayer. Ask you into, to come and be the Savior of their life. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, and I believe it's just the beginning. We pray that, that, that God, that you would move in our city. We pray that you would move in families. God, for those who uh, have just have hardened hearts, God, and don't know you, Lord, we pray that you would soften them. Lord, we pray for the prodigals who, who have grown up knowing you, but Lord, they've, they've run away. 
we pray that you would bring them home. God, we pray that you would meet them, that you would take hold of them today, that you would bring the right people in their path, that their journey would change. So we thank you so much. I thank you for what you're doing. I I thank you that there is more beyond. God, there's more beyond. There's more to explore. So God, may we never feel like we have arrived or that... uh, We can put it on cruise control, but God, may we continue to chase after you every day because our goal is to be more like you. God, we want to be more like you. So God, today, would you help us to be more like you? Help us to be more like our Savior. In Jesus' name, pray you be with us as we go from this place. God, I pray that your your, uh, favor and your blessing would be upon your people. And God, give us the faith and the boldness to share you this week with someone. In Jesus' name. Amen.